Um, and, and this is when we talk about the difference between buy right versus special permit. And we want to make more of the types of developments that we want uh, buy right. How important is that to you? Can you talk a little, especially to a small uh, developer, the costs uh, and time elements behind um, you know, every time you have to go in front uh, and ask for a special permit? Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, and available anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and in the local Franklin Mass FM dial on the, at 102.9 here in the Franklin studio today with a collection of folks to talk a variety of topics around housing and zoning, and we'll let them introduce themselves so you'll be able to recognize their voice and know their names as well. So, <laughs> Melanie, we'll start with you. Um, hi, everybody. This is um, Melanie Hamblin. I'm on the town council, chair of the EDC in the Franklin for All um, steering committee. Uh, EDC Plus, I guess, is what it's known as its um, nickname lingo. And... Um, and for people who may not have heard that before, EDC is generally four members of the town council. Right. And then you added a couple of members of the planning board and one of the ZBA. So Greg Grando, uh, Beth Wehrling, and Bruce Hunchard make the plus part. Correct. So that's the, the chairs of those committees and the clerk right now. Okay. Um, and it's been, the Franklin for All project has been ongoing for over 13 months now. And I think we recently we had a meeting where we started to make decisions about things that we learned. And it was very exciting for me to have some decisions made because I've all I've heard in the background people are saying nothing's ever going to change. Mm -hmm. And um, I think when you get a group of people like that together that understand that we have to move forward, that we have to make the changes. Um, then really cool things happen. And um, I'm really excited about it, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, just quickly, the, for reference, some of the Franklin for All, uh, Mass yeah. uh, uh, Area, Metro Area Planning Council, MAPC, came in, led some forums, surveys, et cetera. All that info gathered up to a report which listed, I think, 11, 11 recommendations. Recommendations, you prioritize those. Yeah. And now you're working on the priorities. And to your point, you're actually making some decisions based upon those. Yes, yes, we actually, um, it, it's actually been successful. Okay, and um, with us today is Brad Chaffee. I think most people know him. I, I'm not sure, does everybody so. know? I don't know. I don't and know. Um, <laughs> He's been following the Franklin for All project and he was at our last meeting on January 25th and um, he stood up and, and spoke. And I just um, wanted to really talk to him a little bit more about what he does and um, hit the, his comments that he made. Mm -hmm. Sure. Thanks. So welcome, Brad. Thank you, uh, Steve. Thanks for having me too. Um, my name is Brad Chaffee. Uh, I own um, Camper Property Group, uh, based out of Franklin, Mass. So um, just a little bit about myself, just so people don't know me. I've um, been here my whole life, went to school here, K through 12. Um, got into the construction field kind of in my mid-20s, and uh, since then, maybe over a decade ago, uh, started Camper Property Group. Um, so we are, I guess, a local developer, but also a general contractor. So a lot of stuff we do, we permit through the town of Franklin. That's the projects we do here and we construct them. We it's multi-family, we rent them, their condos, we'll sell them. We have some commercial stuff. So um very entrenched. A lot of our stuff is in the center of town. Uh most of our projects I think have been uh well received. So hopefully um as we continue to grow as a company too, we can take a lot of feedback. Um it, it helps us to decide really what you know the community wants, which also that positivity really is allows to get some momentum. So very important for us. You know, we have a lot of ideas, but um, there's a million ways to do things. And I think getting all this important, you know, being involved in the EDC and going to those meetings and all that, uh, it helps our creative juices flow. And I think we can uh, come up with some really good projects in the future. We have some really exciting stuff coming up. So happy to. Uh, That's yeah. pretty cool. And you know what? I think um, 
Brad is a little humbled this morning because he hasn't mentioned the Franklin Food Pantry project that, he, yes. <laughs> that, um, that he's working on. Um, it's been a long, uh, it's been a long road for them, and they uh, have been amazing. All the people that have stuck behind them through different, you know, properties and uh, say different projects. But we are fully underway there. Um, it's just been wonderful to see everybody come out and talk and helping out so it's uh you know it's construction things aren't easy there's always challenges and different mm -hmm. things and we're all working together uh with everybody and it's going to be really exciting hopefully in a few months when we're when we're complete it's going to be really just an amazing thing for everybody and okay. everything that they do so yeah. they're busy over there so we make that a little more streamlined <laughs> for them so we, they can help more people right, right. so it's all about yeah, yeah excellent so yeah. that's that's is it it's really cool when yeah. i think people can go and Definitely. And look, look at the difference in the outside, even because there's like adding this refrigerator unit. So there's going to be a big walk-in refrigerator. Yeah. I mean, that in itself is going to be huge. Much more food storage, which obviously is the biggest you know, challenge the of the apps. processing facility that we were grateful, and I say we because I was part of the board for a number of years. I'm still assisting them with their communications, and the capital campaign will be kicking off shortly, so we'll get more involved there. But for those clearly. Rockland Trust, thank you for allowing that facility. But if anybody's ever been in there, it's small, <laughs> tiny, cramped. And certainly with the evolution of the services required by the community, it's not a facility to really deliver what we need to deliver. Right. It's the former Edwin's building is going to be much better, oh, more absolutely. parking, more accessibility, yeah. Yeah. much more processing capability, storage capability, oh. yada, yada, yada. It's shopping. Great. It's yeah. good. And it just like, um, there's teaching opportunities and learning, you know, learning yeah. opportunities for clients. And it's just, it's going to be fantastic. We're lucky to have But it. so also, also with us tonight, today, not today, this very early morning, yet. as you can, <laughs> who no one has heard from yet, um, is uh, Kobe Frangillo's with us tonight, today. I keep saying tonight, but um, I apologize. Oh, you used to nighttime meetings. Yes. We got you up early this All morning. Night, <laughs> um, yeah, to try to be coherent in the morning. But I'm usually awake at five, so it's okay. Um, and um, with us, again, is Kobe. He is, um, he's been kind of my co-host here, or their co-talker co here on these podcasts that I thank you so much for, Steve. Um, and uh, Kobe has all these really great ideas that, I'd like to um, pick his brain and pull them forward and have discussions about them um, so that people can understand a little bit more. So, um, Kobe, say hi. <laughs> Morning. Yeah, I'm Kobe. I, yeah, so I, I'm vice chair of um, uh, EDC and the EDC Plus, uh, as we call it. And it's, it's good to be here. And uh, thank you for helping me force myself to put uh, thoughts into. Uh, coherent and articulate words <laughs> this is helpful um well i i'm not going to take any credit for that i think you know you do a good job but you just yeah and we're fortunate that technology is working fully <clears throat> and functioning today so that while he's not in the studio he sounds like he's in the yeah, studio yes. so perfect and he even looks like a little baby owl for us so <laughs> that's it technology <laughs> um so Really, I want. I first, I want to thank you, Steve, for for all your help with these podcasts because I think it's really important. One of the things that I love about being on the council is my is the ability we have to be able to get out information to people and to help people learn. And if they want to learn, like when I post things about these podcasts that we're doing, it's like come with me on my journey um, to learn about zoning and to learn about what it really means and how we can allow things we want to be built like how do we how do we not stagnate things and how do we actually do the job we're supposed to do as as an amateur right i mean let's face it i never went i never like studied zoning or building or anything like that but it's so important to the community and i want to thank you for for helping us with so this is our fourth podcast about this yeah, yeah. yeah i actually wrote down so the first one was the franklin for all kind of introduction we did an inclusionary zoning kobe and i together we wanted to redo a conversation we had at the office hours of the senior center or another early morning meeting um and last our last one was about impervious coverage 
and um, with Joel DeRico. And so today we have Brad Chaffee with us, which um, which I'm very excited that he wants to get more involved because I think he has a really good voice uh, and he has a, um, a really important voice in this whole process. So Brad was at the last ABC meeting that I mentioned on January 25th, and he had... Um, we were deciding on the inclusionary zoning piece, like 10% at what, what number do we start, right? And he spoke about the differences between affordability of rental versus when you rent your property versus the affordability uh, when you go to sell your property. And we, um, Kobe and Brad and I have all have discussed sort of at different times um, how parking the parking restrictions and the dimensional restrictions um, by right and versus special permit, how that affects the affordability possibility, the feasibility of, of things being affordable. Um, and it really, it gets complicated and um, it sort of dictates if you can actually even build anything in a place. And so as we talked about in the, um, inclusionary zoning podcast we don't want to stagnate growth mm -hmm. we want growth to happen so how do we how do we um continually to change things so we're you know we did we did mention earlier that we had made decisions but that's not the end there's way more to go and so how do we continue this conversation and continue thinking about what are the other things that we need to change and yeah, and I think to help the listeners on a couple of data points, uh, by right versus special permit. So the zoning, and yet some people may, you know, eyes glass over, oh, it's boring. It's, it's interesting once you get into the details. And what we're trying to do here is make sense of the details so it's understandable. So the image that I had started using was kind of like gear wheels. So we're making sausage to a certain extent. And you turn this gear and it comes out chunky, turn this gear and it comes out a little smoother. And if it's by right, it should really go right through the process. Mm -hmm. If it's special permit required, well, it's gonna take some time, take this other route, get a special approval and then get back in. And one of the pieces that we've discussed in a number of co uh, conversations, especially in the meetings, it all takes time and time is money. So the longer it takes, yeah. the more steps in the process, the more expensive it's going to be. And But there's that fine line we need to walk. What do we really want to incent to get where we need to be by right as much as possible and allow then the exceptions, if you will, to go through the special permit process for those cases that really should be a special permit, as opposed to today, from what we understand, more things are special permits <laughs> probably than they should be. It's like everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, like, well, for, for the listeners to understand, yeah. it's like almost absolutely everything. Hopefully that image of kind of the sausage making machine with the dials, like the that. dials are yeah. where your decision okay. point are. <laughs> and hopefully that will, 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 will be able to, you know, make more sense of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Because yeah. there are still some dials, there are still some circumstances that we need to talk about in terms of, you know, mm -hmm. making the sausage. Although in this case, it's building housing that is both affordable from a developer right production perspective as well as affordable from a resident perspective yeah okay, we live there absolutely yeah. and that's that's the fine line that's the needle i mean you know that's that's what we're, we're trying to thread mm -hmm. right we have to get um we have to get um the sausage made perfectly and and it's not an easy process <laughs> right um because there's so many different knobs and different um gears i guess right yeah. and the thing is like Special permits cost money, not just time. You know, everything costs a lot of money. And so you add time onto the special permit and and then um the fees and there's up. and there's probably other restrictions that Brad could probably talk about that um that we don't you know, because a special permit is something that um puts restrictions on you. Sure. Right. Because yeah. like, I think the, the key piece picking up on what you said, and I think your comments certainly struck me in regards to from a developer's perspective the affordability of whether it's going to be sold as you know a condo type or townhouse type yeah. where somebody purchases versus a rental 
Can you explain a little bit more about sure. that from a developer yeah. perspective so we understand yeah. what's going on there? Um, I, I, you know, just from uh, being in town talking about, I think there's always a lot of confusion between the two. When somebody sees a building going up, oh, it's condos, it's apartments. And you wouldn't know, right? Unless you were really listening. The building's to the building. Building's Doors building. and windows. You don't know. And I think there's a, um, you know, they're, they're very different from a lending perspective, um, a development perspective, a risk perspective, totally different things. Tax perspective. All of it, right? Mm -hmm. All of the above. So, and I know in, in, in Franklin, it's always been multifamily. It's blanketed. It's an umbrella, right? When we go to... You know, I'll kind of give our last project at 70th century. You mean either either rental or, or or for sale. Or for sale, it's looked at. I think if Franklin in the bylaw in, in from right. a bylaw perspective, bylaw perspective, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. We're going to permit it as a multifamily. Once you take the project from there, you can do it. You know, yeah, your choice. Which right. yeah, which is which is great from a perspective of that flexibility because also you talk about special permits and things. Sometimes things take years to permit. You've gone through different economic climates in those years. Sure. Right? Yeah. So our last project, we took two and a half years to permit. A lot happened in two and a half years. Mm -hmm. We just said COVID. Like all this stuff happened. So now you're, you're, you're popped out on the other side now. And what does that mean? Maybe you wanted to sell before. Maybe now rentals because it's too risky to sell. Right? So not only the cost and stuff, there's a lot of things that happen. And, and you really get into big development. You get into city development. People build skyscrapers through five, six, seven years. That goes through downturns, upturns, and they're just hoping they pop out on the other side. So it still happens at a small micro level in our towns. Um, but I, I think the the rental and sale portion of things, um, when you add the affordability component to it, can change stuff. Um, and that's been just an economic driver, I think, of Massachusetts. So I believe, and Kobe can probably uh, add on to this, but we're kind of based off the Boston Metro West uh, affordability. So our rental prices from an affordable standpoint are probably, you know, in my mind, actually close to market rate. They're not really that affordable, mm -hmm. right? Um, and for the record, the affordability is effectively set at a federal and state level yep. based upon, you know, the demographics and census tracts, et cetera. Right. And we're, yep. And we're plugged on to that kind of Metro West side of things. So I think we get, we, for the unfortunate side, get a little, little affordability is higher rent because of we're kind of plugged in close to the cities. Um, but yeah, it just makes it really, uh, I guess, difficult. Um, from a sale perspective, uh, they do a buy your bedrooms, right? So that's how they calculate this. So there's a locked-in rate. Same thing kind of like rent for for sale. It's, it's two bedrooms. It's X amount of dollars. It's three bedrooms. It's a little bit more. Um, but when you get into selling something that's affordable, I think the tough component is the market for location, the market for an amenity, a type of generation or people, a class of people that want to live in a certain place will pay for something, whether they're in the downtown, for instance, they want that walkability, they want all that. Um, so a developer might have to pay more for that land. Now, if we want to sell a condo in order to, you know, kind of have them more average out, right? It's very difficult to have stuff that um, can sell for, I'll call it a luxury. I really don't like to use that word, but a luxury price and it's something that's affordable. And in between that is very hard, right? You get a very vast, and then you have to sell things and you're holding interest and loans and it, it, it can get very sticky and it's um, it's hard to balance that. I think finding that balance of affordable unit with a, a market affordable unit, right? And having that is very challenging when it comes to selling condos. Um, I think rentals are a lot easier for that. Um, and I think the banks look at it a little different too in lenders. There's a lot, there's a little less risk of that. They can't fluctuate as much. Um, so I, I think if there's a way we can do it in the bylaws of allowing there to be a little more flexibility between for sale and for rent, they're very different products. I'm not exactly sure of the right solution for that. But, you know, <laughs> I'm, thinking, yeah, I'm thinking, oh, thanks, Brad. You know, like, I wish I had a better answer. I'll to the end, but it's, that may be a future piece. Yeah. You have to do well, some research no. with either legal and or real estate folks it's, and yeah, bankers, and I, it, et cetera. Yeah, but that's yeah, all good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that it just shows how hard it is, right? And, and um, why we why we have the difficulty of agreeing on yeah. on different things and and that's to me shows what how important incentives are and um and maybe 
making it easier to build maybe a couple more units on a piece of property mm -hmm. so that the builder then can make money, yeah. right? Um, and yeah. so I think that sort of, that also ties into um, a thing that the discussion about what Kobe wants to bring into this discussion um, about some of our other our other restrictions on buildings, dimensions, and our parking restrictions, mm -hmm. right, Kobe? Yeah, I, I think that's that's key, right? We're trying to get to a place where we're actually uh, producing the types of units that uh, we want and where we want them. And uh, in order to do so, we need to start removing some of the uh, impediments to, to building those types of units. Um, because even if we say that something is allowed to be built, uh, you know, from a high level, like you could build a, a two family in this lot, um, if the restrictions on that lot are, are um, set up in a way that it couldn't actually be built, then you're right back to square one. And so that's where I think uh, the next part of the conversation has to be. So um, do you mean the minimum lot dimensions? Do you mean the dimensions of the building, like uh, maximum height of the building, those sort of things? Yeah, all, all, all the above, right? So there are a few main uh, calculations. One is minimum lot size. Another is um, maximum coverage, right? What's the amount of that lot that you're allowed to cover with impervious surface uh, yeah. buildings and and uh, and parking? Um, so, you know, if you have this, uh, if you say that, you know, you're only allowed to cover 10% uh, of a lot, um, you know, on a half acre, well, then you have this puny building and you can never actually finance that to, to be built. You're also looking at uh, setbacks. So how far from each side and how far from the front and how far from uh, the back do you have to be? You're looking at parking. How much parking are we as the town mandating uh, that you put in? And if we over uh, mandate the amount of parking that you put in, then that might um, make a project uh, unfinanceable or, or unreasonable and unhealthy for for the town of Franklin. Um, you're looking at yeah lot uh, or sorry height size. That's a huge one. Um, yeah, I, yeah I know that there. Um, I have attachment nine in front of me as I usually do these days. <laughs> <laughs> Um, She's and, about to memorize it. And so I'm, I, I'm, I'm afraid I see it at night when I go to, when I'm trying to sleep. But one of the things that, that strikes me about this is that, you know, most, the maximum, let me just take maximum height of the buildings, okay? They're, um, they're three stories throughout everything, except for like rural, rural business um, is, is one and a half. But once you get, into the areas that we are talking about downtown commercial commercial one you can go higher um but it's all by special permit mm -hmm. it's all it's all by um planning board special permit probably zba2 i'm not too sure like <laughs> like i don't have to i haven't never had to go through all those steps which i'm grateful for but um you know, and it just seems like, well, if you can go up to five by special permit and everything is three, why do we, like, why aren't we saying, well, okay, why don't we go to four by right and then higher by special permit? Like, we we want, I, I think of the buildings that we want to see downtown, and it's like one floor commercial, three floors of of um, residential, and that's kind of like the basic thing everybody's already agreed upon. Mm -hmm. So me, I'm like, well, why don't we go four by right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I don't know what you're thinking, Kobe, but um, I'm going to throw it back to you for a second and let you tell me if I'm crazy or not. No, I think, I think that's huge. And we're also talking about key areas, right? And I, I want to keep bringing this back to the uh, conversation about the types of development and why we're having uh, this conversation. I'm, I'll, I'll try not to, uh, go on too long, but essentially, when when a when a, a town started, uh, it would build from the middle out. You know, as you grew more wealth, you would build upon your buildings, and then it would start to uh, spread out from there, where your best resources were around the core, and then it would get more rural as you went out. And you know, the uh, suburbanization of uh, America meant that we were now uh, promising the same services to everyone. Uh, even as they got further out uh, from the core. That means um, 
you know, wide roads and sidewalks and water uh, to your place and sewer uh, to every place. And it turns out in Franklin, as in every other community uh, in the U.S., um, that math doesn't work, right? We don't bring enough revenue over time to pay for all those expenses. And so our expense sheet has grown much, much larger than um, our revenue. And in order to make up some of the ground, uh, we need to A, stop uh, development that uh, costs us uh, too much, and B, uh, allow for development that allows us to make um, uh, the money back and doesn't further add to our expense sheet. Well, where is the best place to do that? Uh, that's in our, in our downtown. And oh, by the way, when you build a, a little more of a dense downtown, uh, it ends up being a really uh, nice, walkable, uh, livable place. And when you think of all your favorite towns uh, in Massachusetts, it's street frontage, it's uh, full um, or nearly full uh, lot coverage. It's all these things that you don't think about. It's, it's, it's uh, the height of the buildings is um, about equal to the width of the street. Right. It, it creates these enclosed um, main streets. It's commercial on the on the front floor with big open windows uh, that creates um, this, this vibrant downtown that we also want. So it's good for us uh, financially. It's good for us um, in, in terms of uh, prosperity and, and a vibrant downtown uh, that people want. So when, when we say, you know, uh, when we're talking about height, when we're talking about, um, you know, lot coverage and sort of easing some of those restrictions right now, at least we're, we're talking about. Uh, the, the core of Franklin, you know, around our community. Around. Right, right. And to give you a chance to take, catch your breath, and I think that was a great summary. One of the reasons, at least from my point of view, you can correct me, the current zoning, while we like downtown, we can walk downtown, see the black box of the FSPA, the post office, you have the nice set, visualize that. If one of those buildings were to go, with the existing zoning, because of the setbacks, and the utilization of the space, that building could not be rebuilt. So right. It right, doesn't allow right. for it and unless it, you went for the special permit, yada, and, yada, yada. And, it, and, that, and that's true other places too. You know, like yeah. we, right outside of downtown that we've spoken about like general residential five, GR five and, and single resident four and, and those areas where we basically, a lot of people really like that. The way things are, the density that's there and what's happening there, but we couldn't rebuild them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's really the point we're trying to bring home to people is that we're not trying to change that people don't like what's being built now or like or certain things that are being built now. And it's like, well, and they don't want us to change anything. And it's like, well, if you don't like what's being built now, then you have to allow us to change these things so that we can get the things we want that you like to see. Mm -hmm. Right. So we want to have these things built. Um, and I think I think it has a lot to do with the impervious coverage. We've talked about that before. Also, the maximum height allowed by right is really important. And um, and I also think we need to talk a little bit about parking as well, because um, I, I was I talked to Kobe about this the, um, maybe like a month ago. And how I really wanted a chance to talk about this because I was actually on the economic development subcommittee with Matt. Matt Kelly was the chair when we we actually put in a restriction for for commercial one um, that was 1.5 parking spaces per per build per residential unit there. And I think and um, I will say now I think that was my first term on the council. Mm -hmm. Now I understand it was too restricted. It was the wrong thing to do. And I've, I've wanted a long, for a long time to be able to say that to people on the record and to be able to talk about it without people screaming about half a, <laughs> half a, um, half a space or something and, and uh, how does that work and people just can't envision it. But it, it's also one of those things where it's a minimum requirement and so if a builder wants to build more, they can build more if they need to, to get to get the loan or they have, like I know in Brad's case, I know that he builds, he does give people one or two, two sometimes, right? close to two. Yeah, he averages close to two because that's that fits the way he builds things, the way, what mm -hmm. he wants to do. 
Um, that goes a lot into that apartment condo. Well, yeah, that apartment condo thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's, but it's, it's an affordability thing as well. And, and, um, and it, when you put a minimum too high, then it restricts too much, I think. Yeah, well, I, I want to touch on a, on a few things there. One is I, I really want to hammer home uh, that point that, that you made, Steve, which is um, my favorite part of this entire thing is we're not inventing something new. We're, we, we've done this before. We've built great places before, and then we uh, set rules that no longer allowed us uh, to do this. And, that, and that's my favorite thing, right? This isn't uh, some new fancy like way of thinking about the world. It's a hearkening back to uh, the time where Franklin had uh, prosperity and built on that prosperity um, and, and created a place uh, that a whole bunch of people uh, wanted to come to. And, and you know, I spent um, last night walking around uh, downtown Natick. And if you haven't been to downtown Natick, it's a great example of a community somewhat similar to our size, somewhat similar uh, to Boston. Um, if you're thinking about Natick Mall and the Route 9 uh, area, don't think about that piece. Think about uh, the downtown. And uh, so much of it is these yeah, four-story, gorgeous um, brick buildings, uh, you know, lot-to-lot -lot, uh, coverage. Um, it creates this like little, just small, um, almost urban walkable downtown corridor for like four or five blocks and it's so so pleasant and it's created all these uh vibrant businesses and, and and allowed them uh to succeed and all of those buildings um were built you know before um 1950 and so a lot of it is about going back to allowing uh, some of those things to thrive uh and succeed again um yeah, if we're transitioning to parking, I think parking is, is the single biggest uh, tool that we have in our toolkit to uh, allow for some of those uh, developments uh, to come in. The biggest way that we've hindered development in our downtown is by being overly restrictive on our parking requirements. So again, parking requirements are saying that uh, for every unit, for every uh, 500 square feet, uh, for every you know, residential unit or every 500 square feet of commercial space, you need to have X number of parking spaces. And um, anyone who's looking to build a building uh, needs to provide the amount of parking spaces that they think they need to sell the space, right? That's going to be true uh, everywhere uh, that you go. And yet, for some reason, the town has come in and said, uh, well, we don't believe you. Um, we're going to set a minimum uh, that you need to provide. And right now that's one and a half spaces, uh, you know, in our downtown it's one and a half spaces per uh, residential unit, which is saying that, um, you know, someone like me uh, living on uh, my own who, who bikes to uh, most places, who jumps on the commuter rail every day, that somehow I'm going to own more than uh, <laughs> one car um, just on my own. And, and when we do that at scale uh, over and over and over through all the you know, thousands of units in our downtown, we end up losing. Well, A, we end up stopping development uh, from happening. Projects just never get built. And uh, B, uh, we end up replacing vibrant, continuous frontage that we all enjoy in all these downtowns with surface parking lots. Um, which are, are uh, not pleasant and, um, and, and not productive spaces and add to our storm water and don't add to our, our town revenue. Yeah, and, and it, they're ugly and um, it's a waste of space. And as um, Brad is saying to me right now, they're very expensive. Yes, as we all know, it comes with parking lots, asphalt and drainage and you lose your green space and any part of this mostly building, but very expensive. Right. And that's something yeah. that as a developer, when you go to a lender, it's a calculator for and what what's the value of that and what does that bring and goes into the whole affordability, all of that. Right. Yeah. So how do you make something more affordable if you have more parking? Well, it makes it kind of hard. Right. Yeah. So you have to start to really pick and choose what's important for that and to make things affordable. You can't keep raising the price of construction. It's just, you know, and. I guess very simple in that nature. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Shopping the pencils is one thing, but shopping the pencils around 
the set of and going back to the image of the sausage making machine, we're turning some knobs here and there. The other piece I think is interesting is that while we're talking primarily about downtown zone and maybe GR5 because it's the closest to downtown, mm -hmm. there are other zones that we have yeah. and they all don't have to be the same. So right. if people will still want to have the one and a half okay. or a two, they can be in other zones it's two other and places. not in the downtown zone, which is really where we need to have that because that's where we want to foster the density. And oh, by the way, the MBTA thing, that, that is also incenting to enforce yep. density increasement increases in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I well, I will say that, that um, when I was on the EDC for my first term, I did think that, I think there's one parking space per commercial, 500 square feet of commercial. And I'm like, well, why one? Like, why not a half? Like, because commercial turns over. And and so what you want is you want more. You don't want somebody to stay for five hours. You want you want you want more more customers to come in faster, and you want to be able to turn that spot over. And so, but it's and it shouldn't be full for a long time. And so you shouldn't really need as many. Um, and so, and but for for residential, I'm like when you take Kobe's Kobe as an example, he doesn't even need one. Maybe he needs a place for his electric bike to get charged, right? And right. so, and that's the kind of thing we want to encourage. People are always complaining about pollution and and traffic. Mm -hmm. And so why do we want more traffic downtown? Really, we want it to be a walkable space and enjoyable for, and, and safe for mm -hmm. families to get around. We We don't... Like to have it as a motorway or something is just not, not gonna make it the place that I think we all have a vision of that we want to see happen. And so that so there's, you know, people have cars now. There's like that build it and they will come at it like thing. Like well, if we make it if we make it harder for cars, I mean, you know, so it's really hard, right? There's two sides. There's like twenty sides to this store to this. Um, I feel like it's, I'm looking at, I'm, I have my hands. It's a Rubik's Cube. I, it's a Rubik's Cube. I have my hand. I was thinking maybe it was like a figure, one of those magic eight balls, but it is a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. Exactly, Steve. I love that. And um, and so, I mean, those those are the kind of things we have to, we're, we're talking about. And that's why we're talking about it. It's, it's um, you know, we don't want, that's why we are earlier in the, in the EDC calendar, we talked about parking and we opened up the parking lots because um, people don't perceive there to be enough parking downtown. And I say, I consistently say there is enough, there is, there is a lot down there. It's open. It'll be open now for people. Um, once they, I, I truly believe like Kobe will laugh at me, but um, I guess I'm an optimist, but I, Truly believe when people realize that they can park downtown, um, there's first come first serve. There's always going to be a space for the people, and um, and then they will realize that we don't need to dictate and restrict and and put on these high restrictions on how many parking places a builder has to put in a place where we don't want just flat asphalt. We want to see these beautiful buildings. Um, like these four stories and from Natick or like like they have in Natick or like we had at one time here in Franklin um, with a streetscape. And so um, that's my dream is that people will <laughs> believe me. Brad's looking at me and smirking. Um, but <laughs> but, He's but really, you know, the dream. Dream. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. like these steps that we take. Right. So it's it's like how we want to get here. How do we get there? And these are the steps we're taking. And now. Um, now we're talking about changing the dimensions and the and the heights and the, and the parking re mm -hmm. restrictions to just to kind of loosen the the reins a little bit for a little bit more creativity. Um, to and um, I mean, Kobe just said that it was things that we've already done before, right? right? And and so, but I think we can do it in a different way because we do have different building codes now, and we have oh, different yeah. um, energy efficiencies sure. and things like that. And we want things like charging stations and you know all electric buildings. And but mm -hmm. um, well, Brad, could I ask you to talk on? A, a lot of this comes back to um, 
well, they, they could do all of this. Uh, they just have to uh, get a special permit, um, you know, and, and get permission to uh, avoid the rules or to get an exception uh, to the rule. And uh, so all of this that you're saying could happen. They just need to ask uh, for the exception of the rule. Um, and, and this is when we talk about the difference between by right versus special permit. And we want to make more of the types of developments that we want uh, by right. How important is that to you? Can you talk a little, especially to a small uh, developer, the costs uh, and time elements behind, um, you know, every time you have to go in front uh, and ask for a special permit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the special permit is very dear to my heart. It's, uh, you like it? I, uh, I, I'll, I'll refrain from any opinions on the special You've learned permit. to live with it. I've learned to live with it. That's where we go. I've accepted it. It's, um, Okay. And I, I just wanted to understand. I'll give you, I'll give you both from. sides. All right. I'll give you my version and I'll give you, I think, what the, the good side of the special permit is. Okay. So I think from, from a, a developer's side, when we get a piece of property, right? When we use the downtown, because a lot of our stuff is there, you, you, um, you work with architects, you work with engineers, right? You come up with what you think best fits that property. Go by the bylaws, right? So even if you can conform with the special permit bylaws, you're not looking for any variance, things like that. Then you go in front of a board, local planning board, or you know, like I said, no variance on ZBA, and then you go through a process that the special permit allows people to kind of have an opinion, right? So you spend all this time and money, all professionals, people you hire that do this every day, and then all of a sudden there's well. I'm not sure about this. Or maybe that's too tall. Or can you move the building over there? Next thing you know, a year goes by. You've re-engineered the plan three or four times. You've spent all that money that's gone nowhere, right? It, it, it has no value to it. You could have spent that on a brick facade, something that now you definitely can't afford because you just blew all that money. And it gets very discouraging, right? So it makes it very hard. And then why would you want to do that process again to go through that, right? And then you might be ended up with a building at the end that you didn't really like because that wasn't your vision to start with. And that's what makes it extremely difficult. On the, on the flip side of that, if a, a developer that comes in that, you know, you kind of doesn't really have any stake in the community, doesn't care and comes in and puts up something that's just nobody wants, right? But it's, by the special permit bylaws and it meets the criteria it gives the town the ability to say hey it doesn't necessarily meet the spirit of what we're trying to do and this is what we want to do it does meet the bylaws and you are but the special permit here this is going to give us a an opportunity to make sure that we can get something we want right so you kind of have those those and, and how do you you know how do you find that in the middle right so you always get back to this so i think i think in in I think when you do make things less restrictive, there's always the, the back checking of, and I'll go back to lenders and financing, right? They, at the very end, the town says, everything's, you know, buy right, go ahead and go. You're still going to have to go back to that lender and they're going to ask the real questions because they're giving you the money. So mm -hmm. this isn't, you know, a game to them. So it's, okay, how many parking? What do you think we need? What do you do? And if you work all that out and you explain, here's my original design. This is why we did this. It's not, oh, well, we had a parking lot here, but we moved it here. The building was in the front. Now it's in the back. It becomes a mess of a story. What's the confidence of the lender now, right? That plays into that as well. But all that has to happen in the end. And they're not going to give you all that until you're approved, right? right? So you always have that kind of real world back check. And banks, I think, from 2008 to now, obviously gotten a lot more... I don't know. Uh, very strict. Risk averse. Risk averse. Absolutely. All risk, right? That's mm -hmm. how they measure everything. So it's even harder. So um, I, I think that's a good way for good products on the back end, too. Um, that's kind of more of a market uh, decision. But um, I think ultimately, I think in when you get into dense, diversified areas, I think what people want is they want to have a nice looking building at the end of the day, right? Something that people can be proud of. Um, so I, I think in order to do that, if I have to pick a side and I'll go on my developer side <laughs> on this side of the, you coin, don't have to pick right? a side. <laughs> but I, I think being a little more, giving a little more flexibility to the developer to be able to do what he wants to do or she, or she, sorry, he or she, they, um, thank you. Um, 
I, I come from a construction world, so sometimes it's a bad but I think, you know, all that should weigh more on the developer of what he needs for parking or she, as far as buildings, heights, um, and really state the case. And I, and I, these are small developments in the center of town. There's not four acres of land sitting around. And so they, you're kind of stuck to a boutique building. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're very hard to finance and do. And it's yeah, the, the big guys aren't going to come in to do 10 units. And so you're really in that like someone that could build a couple of spec single family houses to kind of getting out of that to doing some multifamily. So it's also a little it's very small development. Right. Um, so I think it also would help their upfront costs, because, again, banks aren't going to come in and be like, oh, there's all the money to go permit this because you just have such a great idea. And we want to fund you. And then, oh, you know, it didn't right. work out very well. So it's all up front on the developer to take that risk. And at the end, you might not get anything. And you can't get that money back. It's gone. And it was never put to good use. You could have put that towards affordability. Any, any, all that money that had a special permit right. could happen in time that could all go towards something. So I'd rather see a faster process that maybe there's more input on how the building should look. But there's a push-pull there. We're going to get you through this process quick. We're going to allow you to do that. Maybe this is what we yeah. want. For, you know, or, and I think leave a little on them. So I don't know if that. I, I think that, that, that was fantastic. And, and, it, and it touched upon so much. And I, and I just want to hammer home the exact place where you got into the end, which is we're allowed to control uh, the design of the, of the building uh, as well. And so much of it, um, you know, in terms of your average experience uh, in Franklin and for Franklin residents of these buildings is how does it feel to be on the street? How does it feel to go uh, by them? How does it make you feel about the town? Is it a place that you want to be so much of that is in the design uh, elements and those design elements then create a place that then you want to go to and being a place that you want to go to allows the businesses that you want uh, to thrive and uh, we're allowed to be uh, more restrictive uh, on those design pieces and so um, you know to me it's not a matter of oh no uh, we're going to get run over by a developer that doesn't care it's, oh, let's put more focus onto the things that we do care about and uh, less focus onto the things that are uh, you know, bankrupting and ruining our downtown. So um, um, I think this was really great. I just have a couple of questions about the process, if you don't mind, Brad. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if this was, if, let, let's say a four-story building was done by right, you didn't have to get a special permit, would you still have to go through a design review? Yeah, I'm in a process now. Uh, I believe it's a recommend. It's a recommending board, right? So they, rec- they you go to design review. They make a recommendation to the board of you know their opinion on the the, the aesthetic of the building. I don't know. I mean, when you start to get close to the city and you get into the book lines and stuff, I mean, they can dip really heavy, really heavy. Which, right. um, but I think that's maybe something we update a little bit, right? In certain areas, the design review. I mm-hmm. think they, I think they do a fan. I I don't I don't think the town over the last decade or two has really maybe touched upon that mm-hmm. as much mm-hmm. as maybe we should, right? Go ahead, to Kobe. Our, our design standards were created in two thousand five. So two thousand five. A lot, a lot has you know changed. Seems right. It's almost 20 and, and so so here's the thing that that I was thinking of while Brad and Kobe were talking um, is that so I think we find that we we do have people that are afraid that we're going to let everybody do whatever they want to do if we make it by right um, and that we still need to have some control. So we want we want the um, tech tech design, the tech review, the design review, the planning board to actually be able to say like, yeah, like this is by right, but we, we like this or, or, or this is good or, or, or something or, or if, and to be able to say, well, you know, can you move this bill? Can you know, sometimes there's some things that happen that you're like, Oh, well, what you could have moved the building. Why didn't you that kind of stuff? But that's, you know, um, to have those discussions, but not to make it take forever. Yes. Right. And not to, but to have some control over, over the design um, so that it's not, it doesn't like stand out. 
kind of like for me, I'm always like, well, you know, we had this discussion about the colors downtown once <laughs> recently. Yeah. And I'm like, I like colors. Like, I don't know why people don't don't like the colors. But um, but it's so it, it, those are the kind of things like I think um it's like how restrictive do we want to be on the design? Well, I, I do think that you know, uh we're not um design specialists or art specialists. Uh we mm. sort of know if we like it or we don't. Uh, all of those elements are surprisingly able to be narrowed down, right? It's it's strange things around, uh, yeah, window transparency and uh, parking behind the uh, building instead of the front. It's yes. windows. It's windows that line up so you can tell uh, the height of the buildings, and it's also, um, you know, vertical or sorry, horizontal uh, sections. That, so that you can tell uh, the different floors of the building. Things that you don't even think about, but you'll go and be able to see them. All of these have been written down, they exist. Uh, many of them exist in our own design standards. We just don't empower the design review committee um, to actually uh, make the decisions uh, that we want to make. So I think it's, um, it's easy to be like intimidated by the idea of, being, of like setting out design standards, but those can be set out, right? We could tell Brad, these are the materials we want you to use. These are the colors that we want you to use. Um, these are the design elements uh, that we want you uh, to abide by. And for the most part, he can go out and make that. And we can just have that be a checkbox. Yes, you've met it. Or here's the places where uh, you aren't meeting it. Right? It doesn't have to be this obscure, like, make it look good. You know? right. yeah. <laughs> like an impossible. <laughs> like, that's like art, right? Like, um, you, were you going to respond to Kobe? I was just going to say kind of a, a thing that's really changed over the last, I think, in town, everyone wanted red brick, right? Decade ago, red brick. Then they had the whole, uh, we'll get into the history of the white brick and everything happened. But, you know, I think going back to Mel, I think really what's, this will kind of go back on a financial standpoint, from lender standpoint is, as you add more stuff and make things more expensive, rent gets more expensive, right? Mm -hmm. The bank looks like, okay, like a business. This building has to produce more money in order to be worth what you need to build it. So, and I think that's really shifted over the last, at least the last 10 years. So I, I the red brick construction or heavy construction, I, I, I don't think we can do that anymore. It's just mm -hmm. something with the, mm -hmm. with labor, right? Sure. All those things have changed. It's not, it's not as many mace. It's not as, it's, it's a tough job. It's a forever job, right? I mean, it's, the brick's going to last as long as those buildings, they're going to be there. So I think, the whole culture, and you guys see when you go to different towns, you don't see that as much anymore. Mm -hmm. it's, the multifamilies don't have them. All those kind of details have went away with materials and labor. So, so now you say, okay, well, what do we want it to look? What do you want it to look like? If that's really not an option anymore. Mm -hmm. So you, I think you get into controlling the 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 maybe the colors and some of the lighter materials, so it doesn't look chintzy. There's a mm -hmm. fine balance in that of mm -hmm. how you can do right. that. And there's a lot right. of way. And more and more products come out that way. So I think that's important to design review to find yeah. that because the old the old way of looking, I think, is just it's not going to come back. So yeah, and I think to your point, going back to the affordability piece, I worry about defining, and I don't think Kobe wanted to go that way in terms of the specific materials. I agree in intent. Yeah. Right. Having a look and a feel without yeah. saying you need a brick that's going to be right. eight by five by you that know X amount of weight, etc. Yeah, that's, that's because tying into another piece, recent thing at the town council, we also heard through Tri County, their mason program actually get rolled into another one because to your point, there aren't yeah. the demands for masonry as much. Right. But I think with the advent of other materials, yep. and even you know the the printing, the 3D printing type stuff, oh, yeah. right? Hempcrete. You can do almost <laughs> anything. That's what I'm, right? I'm like, they, hempcrete. It's a, they have a ton of products for sidings and fiberboards. It's 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 been really exploded over And time. ultimately, yeah. the look and feel you know the difference. is effectively all we really want. Yes. Right? Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. Siding systems and all that stuff and commercial side of things have gotten more cost effective and a lot more options. And mm -hmm. you know, it's it's really come a long way. So yeah. ever evolving stuff. I think that's uh hopefully people and sign. I just want I just remembered something I just want to mention about Brad that um I think when I first joined the downtown partnership or maybe a little bit after that, um Brad was there and they said that 
you had changed the design of that building because people people said, well, can you do this instead? Yep. Like the color, the outside yep. of it. Absolutely. Um, can you make it fit a little bit better? And I think that goes to show that, you know, people who are building the buildings and developing around here, they don't, they want people to like it. <laughs> you, you do. I mean, how do you, if any. I mean, you're, you're a partner in, yeah. in the town. Right. Right. Well, that's part of your branding. People can walk by and say, hey, that's a great building. Have you seen that building and use it as an example? And that comes back ultimately to your brand, <laughs> which yeah, then that. helps your marketing, helps that's your market, et cetera. Et cetera. Pretty simple so, process. Yeah, and, and people and, and, and also people like that building. You know, I mean, we've talked about it multiple times, I think. Um, and and that that's taken that building went through three or four changes, too. So yeah. know, ultimately, I think I, I listened to, you know, everyone that I could and, and, and got there. But at the end, I still had changes I didn't didn't want. I don't think everyone wanted. But ultimately, I think it was a good product and people were generally happy. But that took right. a year and a half. And, and like, you know, and, and hopefully all that hard work, you want people to like it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it also brings up a really good point when you when you hire an architect to design something for you. Um, you know, they, they know what you like and you, and, um, and they design what they think will fit best because they're professionals and mm -hmm. they know right. what goes there. Right. And I think to change that too much, um, sometimes in these little niche places, your boutique places yeah. you're talking about right. is really probably not a good idea. It's, that's probably <laughs> the biggest thing I would, I would, I guess it's, what I'm saying is like, they, they actually look at at the topography of the of the of the lot and what will fit where what will look good on the on the side when you walk down the road and that's what we want right so we so um you know that's their job and if they don't do a good job then they nobody uses them right right i agree well, I know right and so that yeah. that and that's really important to second guess to consi consistently second guess professionals um that I want to make something fit into the area that's pleasant to look at to me is is just um, inefficient, and I I don't think we should be we should be doing that as much as we do do here. That goes back to that special permit, right? I think mm -hmm. that's yeah. that's the biggest argument of that. Right. It's um, and the architects is what they do. They want a beautiful picture at the end in their portfolio. Sure. So once you start changing all that. You can tell their motivation there. You've taken away what they do. They've Same thing with the engineer. Sweat equity yeah, all, all that, right? That. So some John Doe is changing. That was my idea. What? Right. And, I, <laughs> and in some cases, yeah, to your point, it makes it a better product in some cases. But in some cases, at least it's a deliverable product. Right. Yeah, no, it makes... Um, so that's my biggest gripe. It's, you know, <laughs> changing everything. Before we go in front of any... Um, board for permitting. It's months and months and months of planning. Mm -hmm. Let alone you buy, look at the land, think about it. I draw little squares, I make little things. Then we can hire an engineer, we do a little more. Then we get the architect involved, feasibility, start to run that. Months, months, months. Then if you're lucky enough to get to the point where the town thinks it's a good product, go to tech review. Now, more months of real engineering, real planning. So it could be six months before the general public actually, you know, knows or sees it. Mm -hmm. All that time has been spent. And then in one meeting, three or four changes, it could just go right away. Go back and, to almost square one. Right. And, and so much has been thought to try to prevent that. Like, let's think of this. Let's think of that. Let's think of that. Where do people exit the building? How do they walk? How, what's the sidewalks like? Is the, you know, will this be ADA compliant here? Should we have two entrances? If there is cars, where are they going to be stored? Will you see them? What's the, all that stuff gets discussed. I mean, I wish it, I wish the process was a little simpler and you could come up with a beautiful design, but it takes time. It does. And that's, it's a really hard thing to do as a developer to go through all that and then just. You know. Yeah. And I, I think, um, and it's, that's, what's frustrating um, to, to the developer, to the architect, to the people who want to see things done that nothing never changed, nothing ever gets done. Is one of the tasks of the Franklin Peral project was to make it easier. Yeah was to simplify mm -hmm. the zoning and the process so that we could have um, creative 
buildings and ideas brought forward for for to mm-hmm. for the downtown to make it a place where people want to walk around sure. and have fun. Yeah. Right. So I think bring us to a wrap. It sounds like we're coming to a natural closure for this session, which has been great. I've learned a bunch. <laughs> and I hope the listeners have as well. I think you're closer to, and you can confirm, but kind of the table and going back to kind of the image and the the sausage making machine with the dials and the knobs you were going to turn, you're closer, I think, to getting to a point where the table that exists for the current zoning restrictions on the impervious parking, you're getting closer to a point where these are the changes we should make to kind of make it by right. And then this would be the special permit, which still allows the entire process to have some appropriate review, which is a key point I think has been made a couple of times, without adding extra time, adding onerous time to at least make the process much more affordable from the get-go and through so that we ultimately get whatever that vision is in terms of replicating the downtown or the near town to be affordable housing, affordable buildings, walkable, all the good stuff we want. We're close. <laughs> are you closer? That's great. I think, that's great. I think I think we are. Yeah. Um, I hope we are. I know Kobe's working on a table. I have one that you sent me for every single zone now. Um, so I'm putting in what we have now and what I think we should we should strive for, or what what I gather from these conversations. Um, just having this conversation today, I think we have moved. We, I think there's definitely a number. There's a couple of things we agree on here that I think we should work towards. And we've just added something. We've added the design review, and we need sure. to go over that right. and and make it maybe make it so that people aren't afraid that we're gonna just let a free for all happen. Yeah. But to give them um, give the design review more power more power maybe not power but what do you think what's the word i'm looking for brad (laughs) as the developer it's like i don't know don't give them power i don't know what word i can use they're all in the wrong direction i'm like um uh, you know it's just a little more of uh boundaries right boundaries boundaries and a framework yeah framework 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 kind of in between where you you should lie Mm -hmm. and i think okay maybe that's a Mm -hmm. all right i don't know kobe what do you think Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I feel, uh, feel like we're getting there. Um, th- this is, this is the meat of it. You know, it, it was one thing to, um, start to allow, you know, talk about, uh, how many units will allow in a certain area and, um, you know, the types of multifamily units and, and how to make housing units more affordable, uh, but really the meat and the heart of what's slowing, uh, our downtown development is, is all of what we just uh, discussed today. And, I, and I'm excited to jump into that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll put a plug in that while we've covered the conversation in this, you know, 50 minutes or so, I forget exactly how long it's been, but it's been a good conversation, which is great. Um, if somebody outside listening to this uh, has an additional question or an additional idea or an additional voice to bring into the conversation, because while we're coming to a consensus, there's still some areas we need to go. Feel free to contact, and I'll put myself in the list for sure, but contact Melanie, Kobe, or Brad, and let's get this next step of the conversation going. So I'll thank you all for taking time today to do this. Thanks, Steve. Thank Thanks you so much for having us again and again, again Steve, and um, letting us just talk. Yeah, it's great, it really was. Change can be difficult. But change needs to happen. And I think having the conversation will enable the change to make it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, and I hope I hope people, when they listen to these, they um, understand us a little bit better. Um, and they get to know us. And they realize that we want it to be really nice, too. That we, um, and they can trust us. Like, this is this is how we build trust is to let people um, in on the things we're thinking while we're thinking them um, and learning, right? right? And so yeah. that's the yeah. power of this. Yes. Can I, can I touch on, the, on that word learning? I think often, um, especially in uh, council meetings, um, but even in these, 
uh, you know, we only have so much amount of time to talk. And I think often I uh, can come across as like needing to like have all my ideas in a row. And then by the time I say them, they come off as preachy. Uh, we are constantly learning. I'm constantly checking myself, learning more about um, what it is that makes uh, a, a town great and, and how we can make Franklin stronger. So please, please feel comfortable uh, approaching us and giving us uh, some thoughts that you have. That's a great way to end, Kobe. Thank you for that. And for the listeners, a quick reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.